Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 91 Krongar the Red Mayor. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests, the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Lauren Walsh's table in the Levitating Platter. Hello everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and Sidequests. The best unofficial Dungeons & Dragons podcast, in my humbly biased opinion. Howdy y'all, this episode is sponsored by Plus One EXP. Tony Vicinda is the mastermind behind this mastercraft of beard balms, game design, and community building. He's got beard balms named after all the basic stats from D&D, so get a can, apply it to your face, and smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards and Beyond is the indie RPG that helped to launch this entire brand, but Tony's collaborated and developed several other projects, including Repugnant, Eye Toaster, Down We Go, Through the Void, Vamp Nugula, and Brand Standing. If you support Plus One EXP either by buying something on their website or going to the itch page, tonyplus1.itch.io, it all helps funnel into the Plus One Ford program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. So, I'd highly encourage you to follow Tony and Plus One EXP on all of the socials, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. In order to keep up with all the various projects that are being worked on, as well as upcoming interviews, one-shots, and actual plays of some of these awesome games. And if you don't mind, when you go to the website, plusonexp.com, and you see that affiliate code box, go ahead and type in Randolph when you're buying a Beard Bomb or a Beard RPG in order to get some savings on your purchase at no extra cost to you. Again, that code is Randolph at checkout on the website, plus1exp.com. So without further ado, I turn the microphone over and I ask my guest, hello, mystery contestant, would you care to introduce yourself? Tell us who it is that you are and what is it that you do? I am Lauren Walsh and I am an artist and uh, yeah. <laughs> You're not uh, just some artist. Don't sell no. yourself shows short. <laughs> I always have a hard time with that. I'm like, I don't know, John. Okay. Um, yeah, no. Um, I uh I've done work with Critical Role, I've done projects for Wizards of the Coast. Um, and I'm also Wobble's dad. So yeah. I also have my my little guy, you know, just trying yeah. his best. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. So I think that's probably the first opportunity that I had was, you know, being a fellow critter and just being like, oh wow, mm -hmm. this art, you know, is evocative and it captures the essence and the spirit of the characters 
and of course, you know, you mentioned this uh, character that you created, Wobble, who is a uh, cutesy sort of gelatinous cube creation. Uh, and yeah. uh, that, of course, has skyrocketed into popularity on Twitter as well. Probably yeah. Tumblr as well and maybe other places. Yeah, I, I would say mostly. Well, he was truly born on Twitter. Like, I've had multiple people who come up to me at conventions and they're like, by the way, I was there for his birth. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> That's not like, weird of you to say at no. all. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> but yeah, for those who don't know who he is, he's just, he's kind of like a place where I put all of my, like, I, the work that I do a lot of the times I'm like super serious about like, oh, like what kind of, like what, what materials would they have with them? Yada, yada, yada. And like all that kind of stuff for like, how would they make their armor? And with Wooble, I'm just like, is it cute? Yes. Okay. I just make it. And then, yeah. So, um. He's just a little little guy, so. Yeah. <laughs> I think you came onto the scene, at least with the official critical role kind of art with uh, mm -hmm. with the second season, right? I think yes. your your Twitter profile picture, I guess, is the your rendition of, of Jester Lavore. What's that experience been like working so closely with them and, and getting to, you know, bring an artistic interpretation uh, to these characters, you know, that are so beloved the world over? Yeah, that, you know, with that piece in particular, I was still, I was still kind of just like any other like fan artist, really. Uh, not not to separate myself by saying that, but like, because I'm still just a fan artist in my mm. mind. But I think that like, with that one, I, I just wanted to draw them. I had gone through a really rough year and like dove into Critical Role like really hard. Like mm. for those who do watch it and know how long the episodes were, I was watching three episodes a day. Like it was an intense time. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I want to draw these characters. And I was going to C2E2 and I drew them. And what ended up happening was that like Matt came down because they were the whole cast was there. This was like right before the pandemic started mm -hmm. so um so like the whole cast was there and then he came down and like i met him and that was also the first time that i had been like critter hugged very hard and i didn't <laughs> really know what that felt like until then like i was in tears the whole convention like people were giving me gifts and i was like you don't even know who i am like who are you like you know um but yeah so it was just like a very magical time and then after that like it was kind of like my date that convention was like my debut into critterdom essentially mm -hmm. as a fan artist and then it was just kind of like hey we like what you're doing and then yeah so now I kind of like work with them on a lot of different things and they're pretty good so <laughs> yeah and you know certainly as well uh featured in the Taldori Reborn uh mm -hmm. book as well so that's like a hefty book because I remember getting yeah. the original one which is like Green Ronin so it's like you know it's like a good mm -hmm. size book and then Taldori Reborn is like okay you here's your give... college textbook that you will need for this semester <laughs> I was gonna say you could give someone a concussion with that book like you <laughs> <laughs> like you could like take it home and bait her out with that book it's so heavy <laughs> But yeah, your arts um, are featured in there as well. Some really gorgeous yeah. uh, renditions I, I remember seeing. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that one was fun. I was the lead character designer on that book. They gave me the ideas for all the different subclasses in the book. And they were like, by the way, we're going to use these throughout the book as like characters. So we want to do character designs. And then, um, so then it became a lot of like concept art stuff with them and then doing the final illustrations. And then like other artists were then using my designs to like go and make other art in the book as well. So it was really really cool and it was a kind of like I honestly didn't <laughs> I know this sounds 
sounds so odd but like I didn't realize how big of a deal the project was going to be like it's like obviously it's critical role so you're like no yeah of course it's gonna be pretty cool but then like we ended up winning an any award for best setting which like then I couldn't even process that part I was just like (laughs) wait a minute like what's going on so so yeah that was kind of the experience with that one and it was a great project Hannah Rose is amazing um so is uh James and yeah it was a great it was a great time working with everybody so does that work also extend into uh the actual wizards of the coast critical role collabs as well like call the nether deep and the wild mountain stuff too uh you mean like the book itself combined? yeah yeah like some of the art in there where have you been featured in there as well oh oh yeah 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 i was in um nether deep as well so. oh, okay yeah yeah i got that one flip through yeah. it gorgeous <laughs> art in there too so yeah I did the piece of the Exandrian adventures. Like, I think it's like pretty early in the book. It's like page like seven. I want to say like, it's, it's pretty early in there, but like, okay. there's a very buff Dural woman. Very nice. Yeah. So that, that was a piece I did for that. And then that opened the door into working with wizards and stuff. So it was kind of a great time with that. So <laughs> awesome. Well, I think this has been a very easy segue into the question here of, uh, do you currently, or have you ever played D D before? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i'm in no i just do the art i've never played this game yeah, before i no. don't understand yeah <laughs> um right now i'm in like three different games um i also do like other like role play stuff so like i've done a lot of like role playing like in world of warcraft as well so it's just kind of a really fun um experience to like try out different stuff and all that so um but yeah, no, I um I do play a lot. I also DM myself. Um and uh I also make a lot of like my own NPCs and stuff, which like luckily like if you're playing a game with me, I make the art of my own NPCs, which That's is kind pretty of cool. cheating. Like yeah. a little <laughs> That's actually an interesting question since you are able to actually visualize and present, you know, a, a rendition of the NPCs uh that, you know, your player characters are interacting with. Do you find that makes it easier for you as a dungeon master where you're like, okay, I know who this character is. I've lived in their headspace. I know exactly Mm -hmm. what they're all about. And so then when it comes to like, all right, you're ready to meet the baker. And you're just like, I'm in it. I'm the baker. I know exactly who I am. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's a little bit of like, specifically I had this one NPC named Lottie that I was like, I knew that I wanted her to be this kind of like, um, like she creates like magical items and she's like an artificer. So she can like make all these, like essentially like where my players could go to get upgraded gear if they wanted to kind of NPC, you know? Mm -hmm. And I ended up drawing artwork of her. And then all of a sudden I started thinking of all these new ideas. I'm like, Oh, she has these glasses where would she get the glasses from? Oh, well she got these glasses from this person. So like it created for me, I have a really good time of like, I can have an idea for a character and just like basic stuff. But as soon as I start drawing them for me, like on how I function, I immediately start thinking like, well, why is she wearing that? Why is she doing this? Like, where did she get that? And like, it kind of becomes an automatic prompt essentially. Um, And yeah, it's kind of, it kind of helps my process out a little bit. You find it's easier to world build through your art kind of in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's really cool. It's kind of one of those things where, it could be my ADHD a little bit, but it's like having, like when I'm doing my own world building, it's one thing to be like, oh, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and like plan all these different things. But then as soon as I get into like actually like drawing a character, 
it's like I sit with the character for a good solid two to three hours and essentially like have tea with them and like get to know them mm-hmm. over that time. And it's really helpful for me to kind of like think more about why they're doing what they're doing as opposed to just like baseline stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like that's first right. sub layer of a character. And then you're like, you start getting into that like nittier, grittier stuff and stuff. Sure. Yeah. There's a yeah. difference between like a NPC that you've sat down with and you're like, okay, you know, because they're a quest giver there, I want them to be someone cool that interacts with the party all the time. So you're going to invest a lot, but then there are those times where they're like, I need to stop at the grocers. Uh, okay. You need a clerk who works at the grocers. And then you're just like, all right, you're like the Kevin Smith fantasy equivalent person <laughs> who works behind the counter. And then you know, maybe you just have that, but then maybe later on you decide, well, is they really what that character is like or expand beyond that? Or you're just like, no, nope, that's all I need. It's just like the one, two note. And then, you know, they'll mm-hmm. never see that character again or something like that. I mean, I've had a couple characters, like, I mean, let's be honest. There's a lot of ad libbing sometimes when you're a DM, you're like, I didn't prepare for you to go here at all. Here's Bob. And Bob is just a slow little guy who's just like, what's up, man? Like, you know, he's just, he's just having his day, you know? Mm-hmm. And honestly, like sometimes that's where I get my most chaotic and my players end up liking those characters. Cause they're like, yo, this guy's great. Like, he's just like, he's just absolute chaos, you know? And I'm like, yeah, no, that's just because that's me. Like, <laughs> I'm just playing this character right now. But yeah, I do find that like, I like ad-libbing characters, but I do find that I prefer to be able to sit down and actually think about things and like make things a little bit more cohesive. Cause I like having like, you know, extensive storylines that go through stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, a little chaotic character here and there is, is uh, not too bad. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, to keep things moving along here with the namesake of our show, Sidekicks and Sidequests, we like to ask, who is your favorite sidekick or NPC? Whether they're from one of your games or maybe a video game, movie, film, television, etc. And why has this character been your favorite? Hands down, not to be an absolute critical role, Stan, um, is, <laughs> uh, it's Essek from Campaign 2. Essek okay. from Campaign 2 is just like, my precious boy i like i just i like anytime he would come on the screen during campaign two i would just be like everyone shut up essex here (laughs) (laughs) listen listen we're all stopping what we're doing we're doing we're listening yeah Yeah. like even to the point where like the players might be interacting i'm like shut up shut up let matt let him continue i'm like i want to hear more about essex but uh yeah i just liked his whole character arc as well and i mean i've been team shadow gas since the beginning so Mm. you know But uh, yeah, no, I, 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 that, that's probably one of my favorites as far as like truly just like when that character comes on screen and you're like everything else melts away, like mm-hmm. for sure it's, it's kind of always been Nessic on that one. And then, you know, same thing. What's been one of your favorite side quests, whether it's been one of your games, a video game, movie, film, television, et cetera, the whole thing. And uh, why has it been one of your favorite side quests? <laughs> okay, so my favorite side quest is a quest in Witcher 3 Blood and Wine where he has to unlock like Geralt has to go and unlock a um a safe deposit box in a okay. bank and he has to go and get a fill out a form and then he has to give that person a form and then that person says oh well you also need this form and it's literally like 10 minutes of Geralt slow walking through a bank getting all these different forms <laughs> to be able to unlock this like this safe deposit box that's been there for like, I don't know, like a really long time, right? And and I just love the concept of this Witcher 
that who's just like absolutely slashing through stuff who's just grunting and going through this like Mm. bureaucracy yeah yeah (laughs) just like this bureaucracy of like getting all these different specific forms that you need and I just I just remembered like playing that the first time and like dying laughing for like a solid 30 minutes of thinking of this character doing it so yeah here's um, a character that's capable of wielding you know (laughs) eldritch powers and you're reduced to you know just suffering through bureaucracy like you were saying he could literally look at this person and literally cast igni and just blast them away and like i just like i don't know i love that quest so much like i like how it plays with putting these fantasy characters in these like everyday moments you know what i mean so um Mm. but yeah that's probably one of my favorite side quests (laughs) and then we like to round out the personal interview section here with the question of what are you passionate about and why Mm. god that's such a loaded question i would say i'm very passionate about getting in voices that haven't necessarily had space to like to speak out in fantasy getting more queer voices and just hell just getting in more like any marginalized gender in anything just to share their own stories you know what I mean um I think that like that's a big thing for me within my career passions right and otherwise just kind of like enjoying fantasy and creating you know worlds and stuff like that that uh inspire me and other people so yeah that's that's a (laughs) I don't know yeah i mean simple answer i guess (laughs) sure no i mean here i am you know i am a yeah i'm a white guy i'm a catholic and i'm sure i have a lot of privileges uh you know that i take for granted and all that stuff so what does it Hmm. mean because you know i can empathize and be like wow you know i want to support people to you know be able to tell stories and you know i want to be a a good christian man and you know empathize with other people and and lift Mm -hmm. others up and stuff like that so what does it mean to you when you get to see those opportunities for suddenly someone who didn't have a voice or wasn't able to share their life story or their perspective suddenly is given the spotlight and now they're included in the moment and stuff what does that what does that feel like i think for one there's a lot of like there's so much media out there that's so stereotyped in specific ways that's just like being able to actually like communicate those stories uh, that's not from like an outsider's view, but an insider's view of the situation really brings in a lot more, I think, humanizing elements, right? Like it's, it takes it out of this whole kind of like, God, I want to, I want to say like a blanket, like uh, really it's just stereotypes, I think. And like, just like, cause they can come with harmful things and they can come with positive things. Mm-hmm. And you can always tell somebody who's like doing a character because they have to fill a specific quota as opposed to someone who's who's doing a character that they see themselves in, right? Like there's a lot of stories out there that don't necessarily get their moment, right? Like, especially like in mainstream stuff, like it's just really hard for those voices to have that. And I think for me, like when I see those kinds of things, I can immediately clock which ones are like from people that like have shared experiences with myself and you're like, oh, oh yeah, no, this is this is good. I, I know that this is like, this is accurate. So like the everyday experience of somebody in those groups. Like I've had multiple discussions with like friends about like how many times you've had like a strong female character in any movie mm-hmm. that suddenly has this like traumatic moment and then they go crazy. And you're like, can we not, like, can we just stop with this? Like, could we just make it so that like, they're just a regular person, you know, like we don't have to like, not Mary Sue, that's not the correct term, but like, 
pigeonhole someone into a specific mold or something. Yeah. I mean, like, how many times have you, like, specifically, like, I know Marvel has its own thing, but, like, I'm specifically thinking of, like, Scarlet Witch and, like, a lot of her stuff. And, like, we were talking about uh, the new Doctor Strange movie Mm -hmm. and how, like, she had this whole character arc of coming, overcoming this grief. And Mm -hmm. then out of nowhere, it's like, nope, grief's back. I'm just crazy now. And you're like, what? <laughs> oh, well, see, I thought that was the influence of the Darkhold because she let this corrupting artifact kind of take hold of her. That was my understanding of it. It wasn't just like, oh, we're totally erasing her character growth. That's kind of like the temptation, evil corrupting her. And so it's clouding her judgment. And so she's acting in a way that's uncharacteristic for her, which is, you know, the yeah, whole impetus for it. Even that, then I still have an issue of like, she just went through this whole thing of overcoming all this grief. And now it's like, oh, but actually I'm going to go and play around with this because I didn't learn anything from this. It's like, and even in that specific case, mm-hmm. it's like, well, then show us that. Like we had an entire like six episode, well, six episodes or whatever it was mm-hmm. of this whole arc of watching that. And then all of a sudden it's like fade to black character comes on screen. Guess what? I've been corrupted. And you're like, what? Whoa, what? <laughs> like, yeah, wait, I, yeah I could see that point. Yeah, that would be a good, yeah, yeah. If we had yeah. seen that corruption and, you know, had that story, uh yeah okay so i can understand that a little bit you know (laughs) yeah but uh and that kind of happens in a lot of like blizzard products too but um you know how many like if for people that play the game or anything like that but like you know uh (laughs) i don't know blizzard's had a lot of rough stuff with that so um but yeah that would be my one thing just like less tropes and more seeing more people actually like have those stories in hands of people that have gone through those things and yeah (laughs) like i was mentioning kind of like you know where i stand on things so you know not me necessarily but you know when people public out there you know makes an outcry you were saying like uh, we notice when like you know it's an inauthentic character that's just Mm -hmm. shoehorned in there for some sort of ideology or political Mm -hmm. points or whatever like that so I guess, I don't know, the way I'm trying to think of the question is like, well, what do you say, not saying that you speak for everyone, but maybe in your kind of personal way of like, well, how do you answer to those people that are like, well, clearly this character is only here because of some specific agenda or reason or, or something like that. What can we do as storytellers, you know, to make sure that we're telling good stories and we're being authentic Mm -hmm. storytellers to viewpoints and cultures and ideas that maybe are not uh, necessarily our our own or our primary ones mm. i think it depends extremely depends on who's saying it right if it's just a bunch of dudes like because like let's be honest like you can get into certain circles where like within the world of warcraft community specifically mm. um it's like you have a strong female character and all of a sudden you have a bunch of guys who are just like oh blizzard's just being politically correct and you're like I could list a hundred different lore characters who are female and just as powerful. Like you're literally just saying this because, you know, you're trying, like you have your own agenda here that you're trying to push. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, However, I think that if it's a specific group of people that is communicating like, Hey, we don't like that. This is being done this way. Like you're putting this character in, like if it's the community that they're trying to represent, that's calling out stuff and being like, Hey, that's a harmful stereotype that you're trying to push. Like, I think it deserves to be listened to and to essentially like have that conversation with those people to be like, Oh yeah, like this isn't really our story to tell. Like you're right. And like uplifting those voices and giving them that platform. I think that's been a huge thing that critical role has been 
actually kind of like criticized on a little bit sometimes of it like not having enough diversity within the cast and stuff like that and like you know that's a hard question to like to to really unravel but sure um, more more than the two of us that are on this podcast i i don't don't have four hours to discuss (laughs) um but i think like listening to those people and actually bringing like listening to the feedback that's being presented again it depends very heavily on who is actually giving that feedback because like you're gonna have plenty of very vocal people on the internet just to be vocal right like Mm -hmm. you know especially everything that's been happening with like the lord of the rings show that's been going on like people just being downright racist about stuff and you're like yeah like you don't your opinion doesn't matter here sir with white glasses as a profile picture like like your your opinion doesn't matter here i'm sorry (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but uh but yeah like i said definitely depends on who's giving the feedback if it's actually the feedback of the people being represented then to weigh that feedback heavier as opposed to just like joe five four five nine on twitter just hollering into the void um (laughs) but uh but yeah that, that would be my answer for that one okay well i think we've learned a lot about our guest here that i think it's time we head into a segment that i like to call npc creation NPC Creation is brought to you by you, the podcast audience, and especially our patrons from Patreon. Now is the time to give a shout out to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey, and my mom and dad, we say cheers. Again, this is for patrons who donate $2 or more a month. Katie and my parents are among my highest tier wealthy level patrons, which means they get to introduce an element of chance to our random tables in NPC Creation, which we might get to use here today. So if you want to learn more and join the cheapest podcast Patreon community out there this side of the table, then go to my show notes below, go to the podcast website, or just go on to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and side quests all typed out to find more information about our three tiers, one to $4 a month. Help us expand our operations at the levitating platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. And uh, yeah, so this is the part of the show where, like you were explaining, you do on your Patreon, we make up NPCs on this podcast. Who would have thought? So, wow. Yeah. So, my question to you is what kind of character are we going to be making today? Is it one that you have already thought of and that you wanted to bring into the show and go through the questions? Or did you want to roll some dice and randomly generate a character today? I'm actually down to roll some dice. Okay, awesome. All right, rolling dice. All right, so as I pull up my list of questions here and get my tables ready, and if you've got all your dice at the ready, whether they are virtual or otherwise, uh, the very first question that we'd like to ask in NPC creation is what is the name of our character? And we determine that by rolling a d20. Okay. Oh, it's a natural one. Uh oh. <laughs> natural one. Okay. Well, your answer was submitted by Alex Schulte Krongar. Krongar. Oh. K R O N G A R is the okay. spelling on that. And then the next question we have to ask ourselves is what is the ancestry of our character? To generate this, we will roll 2d10s for a d100 effect. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Get my d100s out. 
71. 71 as I scroll down the list. Okay, you have a choice here of blue, death, gray, green, or red slod. So mm. Krongar is a slod. What kind of slod would you like? Hmm. The uh, extra-dimensional demon-toed beasts, I believe they are maybe referred to in the popular lexicon. I'd say, would you say green or red, right? Yes, there's blue death, which is like a black or grayish one. Uh, oh, no, no, there is a gray, separate gray, uh, green and red. So there's like one, two, three, four, five different colors. Let's do red. Red. Okay, a red yeah. slod named Krongar. Okay. And then the next thing we roll for is the job or roll in society for this slod. We will roll just a regular D10 for that. A regular D10. Okay. Let's see. Five. Five. Okay. Your answer was submitted by Anson Jablinski and Elvia Garcia, town mayor. So Krongar <laughs> is a town mayor somewhere. Yeah. Okay. And then the... Next thing we roll for before we get to take a break uh, from some dice rolling is we need to determine the age range of this character, which can be done by rolling a D8. D8. Oh, there we go. That's a three. Young adult. So Krongar, the young adult's red slod that's a town mayor. So with all these bits of information in mind, describe the physical appearance of Krongar. Let's see. Um, let's see, Krongar, he's just, I'd like to think that he's probably like on some like tiny little planet. I imagine him to be kind of smaller than most of them, but he's, he's got like a little staff, but he's pretty witty, right? And let's see, he probably has like little like tentacles, like all around his like jaw, like, like not little, like little like droopy little things, like a, almost like a beard. Like he's okay. like a teenager trying to grow his beard out for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah probably has like a nice like i would say like a nice like color like gradient that goes from like a darker red on on the top like and probably fades to like an orange on like the underbelly kind of thing i was trying to do some reading here because i was not readily in my brain familiar with all the different classifications of slod so neither am i i'm just winging it like yeah sure no so the red ones they're saying are the most and this is according to the official forgotten realms but of course on this podcast you know lore is only as much as you want to accept it so we're free mm. to change it however much we want but according to what the forgotten realms wiki says is they're the most common ones they tend to be more brutish bullies employed as like thugs or used um, to spill blood out of anger hunger just for fun let's see eight feet tall bipeds 650 pounds resembling rough humanoids almost necklace toads huge flat heads skin mostly dull red with specks of gray um so yeah it kind of seems like you know these are the ones like you know according to the lore are supposed to be the ones that are like lower on the totem pole and they're also the ones that will i think what is it they rake their hooks or something like that and that's how the tadpoles get out and then they infect mm. someone and then like an alien's chest burster, they'll just, you know, a new slot will emerge out of a victim and stuff like that. So the fact that Krongar somehow become a town mayor, it's an interesting story. So, I, you know, yeah. so you're imagining Krongar's existing somewhere like in the astral sea or something Pro like that? Yeah, maybe? that's how I would see it. Yeah, I think. For him, like the way I'm seeing it is that like if he did have this all like it's a very like they're more brutish. 
I feel like if he's in a position of power as like a mayor, he had to at least have some political ideation. (laughs) So maybe he like, he's like a little bit smaller. So he's got to like use his wits a little bit more instead of like, just being like, I smash, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Is it like a whole planet of red slods or something like that? Maybe. Or like, you know, red and blues, I think they said like the more thuggish ones and then like, oh, the greens are the spellcasters and the, the death ones are like the most evil or whatever. Yeah. Or if it's the Astral Sea, I mean, it could be, um, I mean, if he's the mayor of something like, I mean, it could just be like an almost like, you know, settlement of just a bunch of people that are like just kind of came together. You know what I mean? Lots of debris. Yeah. And it's like, ah, yeah. this is like shipwreck planet. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm the mayor because I'm the mayor of a rock. Yeah. Oh, or just a singular <laughs> rock. It's just him. And he's like, I'm the mayor yeah. of this rock. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So kind of either way, you know, whether it's like, a, you know, like a diverse population, like we were playing around with, or like, you know, you were suggesting could just be, you know, it's kind of like the little prince on his own little planet or whatever like mm-hmm. that. Maybe mm-hmm. not as wholesome as the, you know, the little prince, but just kind of like this. I'm a red slot. I'm here on my little planet. I do my thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also too, like, you know, what's a mayor, if not just somebody giving themselves a title a little bit, you know? So like, he could just be like, I'm the mayor. And you're like, of what? And you're like, this rock. And you're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Starting to come, become sort of a existential play or something like that. Or Those dist- are my favorite types of NPCs. So. <laughs> the ones that present the existential quandaries to the players. Absolutely. Yeah. If you had to describe Krongar with three adjectives, what three adjectives would you use? Hmm. Kind of envision him as being like a little bit dense and yeah, like a little bit dense, um, but like a little bit witty, like I was saying, maybe not witty, but like a a different, (laughs) different, like, you know, (laughs) get a thesaurus. Like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah i think and then maybe like a little um a little pompous in a way maybe like maybe he's like demanding that attention to be like i am the mayor of this rock and because like you know like who do you think you are my guy like you're just this you're just this little guy you're just like this big toad man on a on a rock saying that you're a mayor like who do you think you are (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah So what is a valuable item, a piece of lore, a secret, or an ideal or concept that Krongar would ascribe to? We determine this by rolling a d4 for the category and then a d6 for the actual item. All right, I'll cut those out. So d4, we got a three on the d4. Okay, that's a secret. Secret, okay. Okay. That's a six. Okay, well, this is probably in line for this kind of character, but your answer was provided by previous guest Kenneth Vigue. Krongar is secretly a cannibal. So (laughs) I don't know what that means as far as slod culture is concerned, unless maybe that's the reason why he's this mayor of this little rock, because he ate one too many other slods and was banished here. And now he believes himself to be this mayor, kept away from other slods. You know what? Because he's kind of the runt, maybe he was trying to eat. Maybe he thought if he ate enough other slots, he would get bigger. Right. Oh. There we go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you go talk to other slots. They're like, we don't talk about Krongar. That guy, that guy is trouble. No. It's like, yeah. <laughs> oh man. It's like, what did he do to earn the ire of the rest of the, all the slots that we came across? <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> 
Okay. I'm definitely putting this in my game now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Awesome. And so now the next question uh, that we have to answer, because we like to make NPCs uh, that offer side quests so that they could be easily deployed in your game. So what's going to be your particular quest that Krongar would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do? If you want to generate this randomly, you get to roll the last dice. Or if you're inspired, you can kind of come up with your own side quest of what you think is appropriate uh, that Krongar would be willing to offer. Um... Ooh, I feel like maybe a side quest of him, I'm torn between two thoughts. One is him trying to like get revenge on the people that kicked him out or two having the part. I think it would probably depend on the role play probably with okay. how they would play with the character, but one either getting revenge on the people that kicked them out or two them trying to persuade them to have him come back. Like he probably is out here being like, ah, I'm the emperor, I'm emperor. <laughs> I'm the mayor of this rock. And it's like inside, he's probably like, well, I do kind of miss everyone. So I would like to come back if that's cool. Like, right. <laughs> I like to come back to the slot army so we can continue our invasion of the prime material plane yeah, to exactly. bring it to chaos and ruin. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I kind of missed, you know, I kind of miss Glorklop's stories. They were kind of nice. And I just miss everybody, you know? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no, we can't have you back. You're you'd eat everyone. It's like, oh, I promise I won't eat everyone. I'll only it's eat some past. of them. It's the past. Stop thinking about the past. <laughs> Time moves different in the Astral Sea. I haven't had a bite to eat since the last person I took a bite of before I left. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then uh depending on, you know, maybe how it's presented, what is going to be the reward for successfully either in a Bit of revenge or in a diplomatic olive branch extending way getting Krongar to return to his people mm, probably this is so dark probably all of the gear the Krongar that he ate <laughs> like i imagine that he's kind of got everything off to this side he's like yeah you could have this pile of loot don't ask about where it came from and yeah mm. there might be some knife marks on there but like don't don't look too close you know what i mean <laughs> Okay, so he he's willing to offer up all of the uh, the loot that he's taken from his victims, I suppose. Yeah, as it <laughs> were. other slod victims, which we've uh, we've established in the yes. lore of this particular character. So. <laughs> and depending on if it's a, a march of conquest or if it's a parade of peace, could be maybe there's a few more trinkets that get introduced into it or, or something. Oh um, yeah, I would imagine for me uh, as a personally for me as a dm i like having it being like oh this is perfect this character needs this like one of the people in the party that needs an item that gives them x more whatever they need mm -hmm. um so yeah i feel like maybe there's probably like a couple like decent magical items in there maybe they got it from one of their raids or something mm -hmm. but yeah that's how i would i would go about that one and then the other side of this equation, what's going to be the consequence of failure or refusing the call to the adventure? What's going to be the consequence of that? Oh, well, the consequence to actually do any of these is definitely going to be Krongar attacking the entire party. Like, Okay, so easy no... enough. So if you refuse him, he's yeah. just going to turn around and attack the party. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's on his last leg here. He's like, I, I really, I, this is my last my last ability to either get revenge or to join back up with people. And I think either way with his past history, like he's going to just attack you if you don't actually take him out. <laughs> okay. 
looking at the stats wise, I mean, challenge rating five, large aberration creature. And again, if he has this ability to just, you know, rake his claws and then you get infected with a slod tadpole or whatever. So then that's that's even more uh, shenanigans for the party down the road. Okay, all right, there we go. So we have made a NPC in this section of the show that now it's time to throw Krongar into a random encounter. Random Encounter is brought to you by Reaper Miniatures. They have been Texas titans of the tabletop industry since 1994. They're right here in DFW, and they've got an amazing warehouse and game store. They make everything from paints to gaming accessories, and they stream on Twitch and YouTube with tutorials and interviews. Whatever system you're running, whatever game you're playing, Reaper has a miniature for you. Every time you shop with them and spend $40, $50 on your purchase, they're going to give you a cool new mini of the month. And it's always something new, so all the more incentive to check back and shop often. I know I was recently awarded another gift card, so thank you very much, Reaper Miniatures, for the continued vote of confidence and support in my little humble podcast. Of course, you know by now, Reaper Miniatures Bones 6, Tales from the Green Griffin, went live on Kickstarter, and that is all completed now, but get on the backer kit, get involved, and get yourself some really cool minis, as well as... We are still supporting UNICEF efforts for Ukraine through Reaper Miniatures by getting this little $9.99 figurine that's a Kenku Nightingale Bard character. And of that $9.99, you're spending $7.50 is allocated again towards UNICEF relief efforts for Ukraine. So visit my website or go to the show notes below. Use that referral link. And when you use that link to go shop on Reaper, you're actually supporting Psychics and Cyclists at the same time. By clicking that link on my website, it helps to track the traffic that our show directs towards Reaper Miniatures. The more traffic, the more that our Texas powers combine. So again, go check the link out on the website in order to use my special referral code and be sure to follow Reaper Miniatures on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so. Obviously, this is the roleplay vignette scenario danger room mabob thing for Krongar. And I think Lauren would do a wonderful job of portraying Krongar. But the question becomes, who am I going to be in this scene? Am I one of my podcast NPC adventurer characters? Is this maybe the impetus of banishment for Krongar? Is this like the leader of the people uh, of the slod people like banishing Krongar to the astral see to no longer be with his kinsmen for his crimes or i don't know whatever kind of scene you're interested in in playing or is it going to be like a waiting for godot thing and just some random passerby and the astral sea just stops by this random rock with a <laughs> red slot on it or something hmm. hmm those are all good um maybe the banishment okay yeah let's um, do that i'll use an npc uh, that we made on this podcast. Listeners may remember that there is a Han Solo type NPC we made on this podcast named Anzo Aressa, um, who was in the employ of a certain death slot named Tajabarex, who was akin to a Jabba the Hutt. So we open up on the desert crime haven of Moa Kudashi. This is the place where Tajabarex rules. This is his own daimyo where he is the kingpin and everyone answers to him. He runs all the drugs and all the money and everything away from the prying eyes of any empire or kingdom or what have you. And we zoom in on the outskirts 
of this desert town, and there is a magnificent ancient temple that's been converted into a palace, which is now overrun by this crime syndicate, the Midnight Rise. We're in throne room, and you see Tajabrex is seated regally on his throne. He's got a myriad of bounty hunters and assassins and all other sorts and court people and other slod that are around too as well. And uh, in chains, I would imagine, in front of Jabrex's throne on the floor, surrounded by all these people, we see a red slod that is bound in these manacles and these chains. And Tajabrex looks down at this slod and will say, Krongar, you have been brought forth for crimes against the Midnight Rise and crimes against your people. And then there's all this chittering and all this stuff going on. And then he will say, what do you have to say for yourself? Uh, Krongar is just going to kind of be like looking around at people. He has a very displeased face, like like just looking at all these people that are judging him. You know, like who are they to judge him kind of thing, you know? Krongar will um, just look back up at him and be like, they got what they deserved. And there's like a raucousy cry that goes out where some, like maybe a few scattering of them are like in agreement, but then others are kind of like booing him down and stuff like yeah. that. And then a Tajabrex is like roaring. Who are you to think you are better than me, than the, my judgment that has steered us well? Our conquest of this world is well in hand and you would muddle our plans and ruin it by eating us. Bah! And then, like, there's a cry that goes out and more people are like, ah, banish him or, you know, feed him, feed him to the Tarasque and, like, all these other things going on and stuff like that. And so he turns it back to Krongar to, like, you know, have him explain himself or try and plead his case. Mm. Um. (laughs) Oh, man, Krongar. The issue is that I want him to be disrespectful, but I know that he'll just die. He wouldn't even get banished. (laughs) Um, Let's see. He would probably look back at him and just, uh... What? They were injured anyway. It's not like we were actually going to let them fight. Right? I mean, it was just... What was I gonna do? Let leave them alone? Okay. And then, uh, yeah, we'll say it's a surprising bit of persuasion on this one chance. And there's an aide that kind of, like, leans over next to, to Jabrex. We'll say it is, um... Because what is it? It's a Bib Fortuna is one of the Twi'leks. And so what would be the equivalent of a Twi'lek? Maybe a Tiefling? I don't know if that's too on the nose. Hmm. 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 Tiefling's probably just, yeah, just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay. So a pale yeah. Tiefling named Rib Borbuna, I guess, will lean over, got the bright red eyes and these long spindly fingers is just like, Tajabrex, my lord. He does speak truth. They were injured as they were trying to care for the pet Tarask below and the the guards, you know, and he's gesturing towards like, you know, maybe some hobgoblin guards and stuff like that that are just like, you know, these guards are just not cutting it. And so the slod, you know, basically is like actually giving a recounting of report that actually does kind of back up Krongar's sentiments. And so Tajabrex will kind of stop for a moment you know, he scratches his belly and he kind of like thinks of like what he wants to do. And he's like, I can't let you remain with us for the crimes that you have committed against us. However, no, I think death is too good for you. 
and then he will motion over to like one of his spell casters and he will say you want to be big boss you want to rule i will take you to a place where such a thing can happen he'll bark over at his spellcaster and he will say send him to a rock where he can bother us no more and then the spellcaster will nod and say of course my lord and so he begins this incantation um and so the, these arcane eldritch words begin to echo and reverberate off and everyone's like kind of chanting and they're like getting yeah. into it they're like oh yeah he's gonna get oh he's getting it yeah so uh yeah, yeah, is there yeah. anything that krongar <laughs> like his big last words that he's gonna say um before he get, blinks out of existence in this room um i would say like right before the spell takes like just so that there's no opportunity for like any kind of like stopping it midway kind of thing he was like I'm going to make my own rock and I'm going to be my own mayor. Who's, who do you think you are? You get to just stand there. You'll see me again. And then. <laughs> so then he blips and he's gone. And then the manacles fall. Everyone around the room erupts in cheers. And then Tajabrex will motion over to a stage where there's a group of auto gnomes and a, a tinker band and stuff like that. And they begin mm-hmm. to strike up a and the party resumes now that uh, this traitor has seemingly been dealt with. And then Tajabrex will lean over to uh, Rib Borbuna and will say, How goes our efforts in recovering the elusive Ansel Eressa? Surely I've sent bounty hunters after him, but I have had nothing but bad. Report. I want reports now. And so then it trails off, fades to black, as we wonder where perhaps our half-elven roguish smuggler has disappeared to. Whoa. <laughs> and scene. Nice. <laughs> All right. So we did it. We made it through the random encounter, and that was... Delightful to get to not only play D&D, but also get to uh, do a bit of our own script crafting as far as rewriting a classic Star Wars scene. Yeah. (laughs) I especially liked all the tinkerers playing, you know, cantina music. (laughs) Of course, you got to have cantina music if you're in a Moa Kardashi. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, yeah. What did you think of uh, getting to inhabit uh, Krongar? Uh, I'd like to play him again sometime. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a campaign that's currently going around in the uh, in the astral sea right now? Are you doing like a spell jammer thing? No, but I do. Um, I have a couple friends that I do want to run spell jammer for because I think it'd be fun for them. So maybe Krongar will show up. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I can't wait to hear. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll read about it on Twitter. I'll just look and I'll see a tweet that's like you know viral of like this little pouting red slot on a little planet that's like a parody of the little prince and everyone will be like oh what a happy grumpy little guy i'll be like (laughs) he was made on my podcast there's my there's my claim to fame there so (laughs) don't get too close to him he'll eat you (laughs) yeah (laughs) well he does bite (laughs) yeah he does bite his bark and his bite are pretty bad yeah (laughs) yeah All right. So, yeah, we've entered into the final thoughts section of the show. So, yeah, I always like to check in with my guests and see, you know, how did you think the experience was of being on this silly little podcast? Really nice. Like, really, uh, honestly, very playful. So, like, yeah, you don't usually get to, like, actually, like, role play stuff out during interviews. So, (laughs) yeah, you know, I'm definitely willing to be a ham and make a fool of myself on my own podcast. Absolutely. You've seen my Twitter. I make a fool of myself every day. Like, (laughs) (laughs) well, it's nice to be in good company. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
Well, yeah. So, uh, you know, for the final moments of the show, I always like to leave the microphone, the stage, the soapbox, the platform, the whatever, who's it, um, to my guests. So whatever you've got to plug, whatever you want to share, where can we find you on the webs and all that good stuff? Uh, lay it on us. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, you can uh, find me pretty much on any social media platform at Lauren Walsh Art. Um, and can't really plug anything because some things are under NDA, but um, there are exciting things coming. So if you are following me, you'll probably see an announcement or two. Follow me on the socials. Like I said, um, lots of stuff coming um, to be announced. And um yeah and you can see those announcements live right there so yeah and then of course <laughs> any books that we can get to support you you know because i'm sure residuals yeah. and whatever else and and just to promote your art and stuff too yeah um for uh my shop is currently closed but probably currently closed as of like recording um but it should be available um and open during the holidays and that's on larmwellshart.com um, and then if you, uh, ever want to, you know, support my own work, you know, obviously I've done work for Taldoi Reborn, um, and Call of the Netherdeep and also, uh, puzzles for Critical Role as well. So, um, they have those available on Crit Role Shop. I think that's the, the it's Christmas right? time. You're with your family. You need yeah. to do a puzzle, do a exactly. puzzle that Lauren Walsh did the art for. I actually had two people that told me that they started dating because of my puzzle. So Ooh. there you go. There ah. was somebody who wanted to date their DM. So they bought a puzzle and had a date night with my puzzle. And there you go. So puzzles wow. bring you closer together. <laughs> who would have thought? That's awesome. Yeah. And then, of course, support your Patreon, too, because that's yes. you do NPCs as well. So if you go and support Lauren's uh, Patreon, then you can get your own cool NPCs. Yeah, exactly. That is uh, essentially that comes with like a token um, character art and also like different role play hooks and like backstories. And if they're like a shopkeep, what kind of items they have um, like with them or if they're like an NPC that can fight like an actual stat block for like fighting with them. Um, so, yeah, like it, it comes with little different little things um, if you're interested in doing that. And I'm also going to be reaching out to other people to be doing some NPCs and do a little collaborative work as well. So it may feature some of your uh, favorites out there. So, but yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Miss Walsh, I thank you so much for your time, your generosity, for being such an amazing person to get to sit down and talk with and make Krongar. And I hope to be able to have you back on and uh, see what other kinds of creations that we can make on the show. Hell yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast. Or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, SidekicksAndSideQuests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for side kq podcast i would love to talk DD and showcase your fan art stories of how you used our npcs discussions and commentary if you would like to hail the bod simply send an email to sidekicks and sidequests at gmail.com to help this show be the resource it's meant to be i ask that you please leave a review on itunes to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, or you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. 
And finally, after two years, I've decided to open a Patreon for Sidekicks and SideQuests. If you love this podcast and you want to help us grow and expand our operations, I would appreciate it if you would go on over to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Your name on the wall of the levitating platter, a loud hurrah on the podcast, or the possibility to introduce an element of chance to NPC creation. Psychics and Psychos is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four! Oh! Psychics and Psychos!